Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about something that you may not have realized was even a real thing, and that is resume myths. Now, you know, once you decide it's time to leave the classroom, your first step is going to be to create this amazing resume to send out to all your potential employers. But did you know that there are some actual resume myths that you need to avoid? You may think this sounds crazy, but it's probably been a few years or maybe even many years since you've designed a resume. And trust me when I tell you times have changed. So I want to spare you the agony of unnecessary rejection letters by sharing five resume myths that you may not realize are actually faux pas in the realm of resume creation. So if you're ready, let's do it. Welcome to the Classroom Exit Strategies Podcast, a podcast for teachers who are thinking about leaving the classroom or starting a side hustle to grow into a self-sustaining business. My name is Jennifer Holt, and I'm here to provide you with strategic action steps designed to help you leave the classroom on your terms. Resume Myths Busted. Myth number one. You need an objective. Now, if you remember the objective section, it was always the first thing that was right at the top of your resume, and it was basically what your objective was or what your whole reason for coming in for the interview was. And I don't know about you, but creating an objective for a resume has always seemed like a complete waste of time. My thought was, if I'm interviewing for a position as a third grade teacher, then my objective would obviously be to get hired as a third grade teacher. This seems pretty intuitive from where I stand, and thankfully, the rest of the world tends to agree now, which is why it's the first on our list of resume myths. Now, don't fret if your original resume included this useless piece of information, because you can simply remove it as you update your resume, and that actually solves a big problem. Now, you have some prime real estate to include other relevant bits of goodness, but what's the best thing to put in place of the objective? In case you've never heard the phrase elevator pitch, this is what you would say to the CEO of the company for which you want to be hired if he or she walked into an elevator where you were standing. You have a really short window of time to present to this person a succinct and convincing statement as to why you should be hired. The good news is you're going to have this person's complete attention. The bad news is it's a really short window of time. In the case of your resume, you want to include the most relevant information that will make you stand out from the rest of the candidates. Think about what you could say in a couple of sentences that would make them say, oh yes, this is definitely the ideal candidate for this position. Be assertive, use tangible numbers, explain what you've accomplished that is applicable to the position they are looking to fill. Because even though the application panel may just really skim over your resume, what you say in this top position is going to make them either want to look more closely or just throw your resume in the trash. Myth number two, any email address is acceptable. Did you know that 76% of resumes are thrown out because of an unprofessional email address? When I read that, I thought that can't be right. But it turns out it's actually true. While you may have a super fun email address for your personal account, you might want to create a new one that is more professional and dedicated to business ventures. This allows you to keep all of your correspondence with potential employers completely professional, and it keeps all of the emails you get from Old Navy, Lululemon, and Target in your personal email account. 
So what exactly makes a professional email address? Well, the best email address is one that includes your name. Now, of course, most of us are going to need to add either punctuation or numbers or something else in order to find one that isn't already taken. Consider adding a period between your first and last name or maybe even a middle initial. You could even think about adding two or three numbers. Each of these things is going to still result in a professional email address. This will allow you to keep your name and your email address while also allowing for all the others with the same name as you. This is also going to provide potential employers with one more interaction with your name, which is always a plus. The other thing you want to consider is a current and well-known email platform. This includes email providers like Gmail, Yahoo, and iCloud. If employers are going to be sending correspondence, they want to make sure it's to a reputable platform. And because you can have as many email addresses as you want on these platforms, there's really no reason not to use them. Myth number three, the longer the resume, the better. False, 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 false. Regardless of what else you have heard out in the world or on the internet, your resume should be no more than one page long. Now, I could go on for days as to the variety of reasons this is the case, but I want to focus on one specific reason. You want there to be a really low barrier to entry for going from applicant to interviewee. For this to happen, you need to captivate your potential employer with a concise and relevant resume. Think about it. An employer posts a job listing and has multiple candidates submit applications and resumes. Now the employer has to filter through all of these documents for each applicant. If you were in the employer position, would you want to have to print a multiple page resume and read through three or four pages of work history, references, and everything in between just to determine if this one candidate merits an interview? I dare say you wouldn't. By providing a one-page resume that features your best qualities and applicable experience, you are doing most of the heavy lifting for your potential employer and all but guaranteeing you a spot on the shortlist to the interviews. So as you think about what to keep and what to cut, you want to consider the position to which you are applying. If you have experience from 10 years ago that is irrelevant to the job you're pursuing, don't include it. Focus on those things your employer needs to know. Consider your one-page resume a little bit like house hunting. You want your resume to have the big three. Great curb appeal. In other words, it should look clean and modern with clear and appropriately sized fonts. Checks in all of the boxes. Use the job description for the position to make sure you have positioned yourself as the perfect candidate and the most bang for your buck. It should include everything your employer wants in an applicant showcased right on the resume. Think less is more and keep your resume to one page only. Myth number four, be sure to include your references on your resume. As an applicant, you might think you are saving your potential employer an extra step by including your references on your resume, but this is another one of those resume myths you want to avoid. While I follow the idea that you want to be helpful, providing your references on your resume is actually a no-no because it can seem overly confident on your part. You might be wondering why. Well, when do employers typically ask about references? Well, usually it's once they have decided you're the right fit for the position. They will request a list 
list of your references directly from you. So for you to provide those before you've even interviewed can seem somewhat arrogant and be a reason you don't get the job. Now, if there is a place on the application where you are asked to include references, then by all means include them. But when it comes to your resume, do not include your references and don't even include a line that says references available upon request. The employer knows you will provide those references if you're chosen as the ideal candidate. So in the meantime, just stick to the traditional resume content like work experience and leave the references off. Myth number five, you don't need a cover letter. Well, this one is a little interesting because as we look at resume myths, a cover letter isn't technically part of your resume document, but it is a topic that I think is well worth our time to investigate. While I pose this myth one way, the jury is actually still out as to whether or not you need to include a cover letter with your resume. There are two divisive schools of thought on this, and each side has some logical points for their particular point of view. So let's take a quick second to dig into each one and determine where we stand on this particular issue. No cover letter. The people who are in this camp use the fact that writing a cover letter is just restating everything you included on the resume and it's a waste of time. While I agree it does take more time, I don't believe this makes it useless. Just because something takes extra time doesn't mean it isn't worth the investment. There are also those who say just stick with the one-page resume and call it a day. While I can definitely get in line with their thinking, I would contend that since most applications are completed and submitted online, If there's a place to submit a cover letter, even if it's optional, just do it. If the application reviewers don't want to read the cover letter, they don't have to print it. Cover letter. The other camp says always include a cover letter. These individuals are of the mindset that this just gives your potential employer more information, especially if you're following the one-page resume rule. Now, as I mentioned before, when you apply online, many application portals give you the option to add a cover letter. Since these application platforms are designed with generic questions and pretty small spaces to include your thoughts, adding a cover letter is a concrete way for you to showcase your excellent writing skills and gives credence to your claims that you're a skilled communicator. I know I've mentioned my husband many times on the podcast in reference to resumes, interviews, and applications because sitting in on interviews and reviewing applications and resumes are a large part of his current position. So I asked him what his thoughts were on cover letters, and he told me that he appreciates them because they give him the opportunity to get to know the candidate a little bit better and judge their communication abilities. I dare say that any job you have will require you to be able to communicate clearly and succinctly. So why not take advantage of the opportunity in your cover letter to showcase that exact skill? Personally, I tend to lean more in this direction simply because it makes more logical sense to me. However, there is one very specific instance where I say, without a doubt, do not include a cover letter. Are you ready? I think this is going to really surprise you. When it is explicitly stated for you not to include a cover letter. One very important thing to remember is that employers want to hire individuals who can follow directions. So if the application says, do not submit a cover letter, don't do it. Now, I know we've covered a lot of content, but I want to mention one last thing. Make sure you read, reread, and have someone else read your resume. There is no reason your resume should include typos. There's an article by Career Builder that I have linked in the show notes below that states that 77% of resumes are actually trashed because they include only one typo. 
So I think it's fair to say that even the most highly qualified individual is only going to get so far in the application process with a poor resume. The litmus test for a killer resume includes an elevator pitch, not an objective, a professional email address that is housed on a common platform, a one-page document, no references, and no reference to references. Did you like that? Did you see what I did there? And a cover letter. By including each of these components, you will be well on your way to a plethora of interviews. I know you have the skill set and I know you have the ability to not only rock your resume, but to rock the interview. I cannot wait to share more tips and helpful hints on resume writing, interviews, and all of the like. If you have any questions or you have some ideas for what you would like for me to share on the podcast, you can join me over on Instagram at Classroom Exit Strategies, and I would love to have a chat with you. You can do this. You can be successful, and I am rooting for you. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Classroom Exit Strategies podcast at happyteachermama.com. I'm your host, Jennifer Holt, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.